to start a church for uh, foster kids because when I grew up, I grew up in gangs, I grew up with drugs and alcohol and all that negativity, and I don't want kids to go through that. up podcast fans but also people that are new to the show right before we jump into this episode i want you to subscribe to star stripe stories and also leave a rating because that always helps and is always appreciated thank you the little extract that you guys were listening in the beginning comes from james james is only one of the examples of why ascent phoenix is doing amazing work and why the institution led by Isaiah Gomez has the ability to change many people's lives. And that's how I want to welcome you to another episode of Star Stripe Stories. And today I'll be talking with the amazing Isaiah Gomez. Isaiah is the co-founder and executive director of Ascent Phoenix an institution that provides affordable housing for young people who aged out of foster care. But more, you're going to listen in the podcast, you're going to learn from Isaiah. Hope you guys enjoy it. Let's go. All right, take two. (laughs) What's up, everyone? Today I'll be talking with Isaiah Gomez. Um, He has a very nice project here in Phoenix called Ascent Phoenix. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, so San Phoenix is a transitional housing program um, that's affordable for youth that, primarily for youth that age out of foster care. Right. And we also serve at-risk youth um, in one of our locations. We have three uh, house locations right now, and um, they're all through partnership. And uh, we've been going for about two years now. Me and my buddy Andre Wright, one of my best friends, ride mm-hmm. or die. Uh, we started this when we were around 21, and so... Um, yeah, going strong, and that's a little bit about what it is. That's pretty cool. Um, you're probably one of my youngest guests I had on the show, and I was just when I when I told my my friends about um, this interview specifically mm-hmm. with you, they were all really impressed by the fact of just by your age and and the fact that young people get in get in get into those nonprofits. Do you think there should be a, a higher need in our society that more younger people should get into this kind of stuff instead of others, mm. instead of chasing a business career or chasing other other things? Well, that's a good question. Um, I've actually been thinking about that recently. Um, I would say, first of all, like for this field specifically, youth in the system and mm-hmm. stuff, I think you should be called, people should be called to that. Like they should for sure have a desire where they felt like they were made to do this. Um, and if you're not in that for those reasons, then um, it's going to be hard because it's you don't do this for money. It's called a nonprofit yeah. for reasons, right? For reason. um, and my partner, Andre, right, he uh, does real estate full time. So he has a heart, right, for, for the, those that are marginalized. Mm. But he also, we're both entrepreneurs. Yeah, and exactly. so he's able to uh, focus his energy and mental capacity to do things and start ventures that are for profit but also that could help fund things like this right so i think it's finding your niche in certain things um like i do i do fashion stuff on the side Mm -hmm. right 
I obviously sacrifice a lot of that to do this. You're the youngest guest, but you're definitely the most stylish guest I have really? on the podcast. Thank you, I have man. to say that. I, I have to that. say that. that but going going more into like the stuff you're doing right now, I, want, I obviously want to talk about the way you guys fund this whole thing yeah. later. But what do you guys do exactly here? Like, what's the day to day thing that yeah. happens here at SN Phoenix? Um, so day to day. Uh, what the model is supposed to look like and just mirror is like a college dorm life. So mm-hmm. you would have an RD. That would be me. I'm mm-hmm. the resident director, essentially. Yeah. Then you'd have an RA. Yeah. So there's supposed to be two leaders in each house. Right now, I'm running this one on my own, mm-hmm. but it's it's fine right now. I have a lot of support from the church. Mm-hmm. And then you have the residents who are essentially college age, right? They aged out, but we've had kids up to 24 mm-hmm. adults. And so they're... Um, the residents there, they're signing a contract before they come and move in. That we, we right. interview them and we go over the policies. Mm-hmm. Just like GCU's dorm life, there's rules that it's a dry campus, mm-hmm. um, no smoking on campus, no right. alcohol. Um, you can go off campus and do those things, and they can't necessarily prosecute you for that, right? Right. But if you get into some trouble, you can. Um, no opposite sex in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, past 1130 mm-hmm. and also no doors closed within mm-hmm. the house so there's a lot of freedom still and you can still mm-hmm. have a lot of fun with that but we have to have a lot of the, that structure just to um, be safe and to be good stewards of like what we have and make sure that these guys are here with right. the intent to become sustainable and to save money and to get employment and then right. to be on their own and do those things one thing that kind of caught my attention you were saying um was the way you started the way you started this whole thing i mean there's obviously there needs to be a story behind um a scan phoenix why would you um start doing this whole thing yeah and i'm really interested in that yeah uh that's funny i was just telling someone today um so for me personally so right me and my buddy andre co-founded mm-hmm. it for me personally um which I'm now realizing is it's something that like I've had a vision for since I was a kid, since I was in right. fifth grade. I can remember um, a dream about having a two-story house and having a bunch of kids live in it and just having a bunch of like fun things and resources. And at the time I had a best friend who was in foster care and he had like seven siblings who were all adopted. Mm-hmm. And um, fast forward now to college when I was kind of like living for myself, like mm-hmm. what can I make a career in? And since I'm quitting wrestling and track, right. now what can I do long term? Right. And I started just to serve in ministries, um, started to seek mentors and people who I wanted to be like in the future. And I mm-hmm. had, uh, I was blessed with a lot of dudes that were older who were just doing a lot of awesome things. Yeah. Um, like in South Phoenix, um, there's this nonprofit called Barrio Nuevo, and that was one of my first mentors. and. He has master's degrees. He's a, a doc. He has a doctorate. He's he's um he's had money and he just has been in these different fields and he just wanted to live in South Phoenix and mm-hmm. serve the marginalized there. And so I love that that heart that he had, that humility, mm-hmm. and that it's not just about like your security in life right. and what you can do to build yourself up, but it's what you can do to use your re- resources and privileges to give to others. Right. And so that theme was just like reoccurring in my life where I was like, all right, well, I want to help like people. And then what way to look. And then I, I, I um, served in a camp for youth in foster care. Mm-hmm. And after that camp, I just remember like crying really, really hard like a baby. Yeah. And I, I, I hadn't remembered the last time I cried. And so 
I was kind of like asking like god why would why do i why am i crying like why mm-hmm. why is this happening why is there things like this why is there kids who don't get to see their uh, own sibling for and a foster year? care is a, like aging out of foster care that's what this whole thing is basically about yeah. you know that's a serious problem in america mm-hmm. especially in phoenix yeah and, and that's actually so phoenix so arizona is like top five in um in the u.s with the most kids in the system mm-hmm. so there's about there's roughly, and it changes every year. It's always fluctuating. There's right. like about fifteen to fourteen thousand youth in the system, mm-hmm. and then average around one thousand will age out wow. every year. So that means a thousand roughly will not get adopted. Right. Turn eighteen, and then only around two hundred of those thousand will utilize resources that the state offers because they're tired of being under the custody of the state and having people paid right. to be in their life. To care for them and love on them, so they kind of want to do things on their own. So th- this model, is but it's obviously it. really hard for them to start something on their own if they have experienced no freedom basically their whole life. You know, that's a really I- idealistic idea to live in foster care your whole life, and then all of a sudden you're gonna start something by yourself. You know? Yeah, like they, it's 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 really rough. Like yeah. the statistics are there that fifty percent will get a high school diploma. Three percent and less will get a college degree. Um, one in four will be homeless wow. by twenty-one. Uh, around seventy percent of the women who age out by twenty-one will be pregnant. One in five will be incarcerated at least once in mm-hmm. prison. Um, the alcohol and drug abuse is two to three times more likely than kids who have like a stable home. They um, and and the, the that struggle with stability like not they just they won't find home right. like a home they won't find a stability where they can just have a job and hold it for longer than a few weeks. Mm. And then um, that being that old at that age, like 18, and all the trauma You're that they lost. have, they're lost. And they, they're, they pay for their um, just their mistakes. I mean, like, if I think back when I was 18, I was, I mean, obviously I was dumb, but I was also lost. Like if I wouldn't have any support by my parents, yeah. in my example, I don't know what to do. Like that's, that's a thing, like... You need some kind of support anyway, so mm-hmm. that is why I really appreciate this project, and that's why I really wanted to have you on the podcast, because especially one thing that caught my attention, obviously, was your age and the, uh, the fact that you're doing this at, yeah. a, at a really young age, or you started that, you said, when you were 21, right? Yeah. You and your, you and your partner, and that is the thing, like, if you look at your generation or my generation, like... I feel like a lot of us, um, they're pursuing a business career. They're pursuing like, where's the most money? Where can I make the most money? And where I can do all that stuff. But they're, we're kind of leaving out the, the fact that there's so many people in need. Mm. And then they're, and they don't really look into nonprofits and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, would you wish for a change in our generation? Uh, that was a loaded question. But yeah, I mean... I think that's part of the reason why I do what I do. Mm. Um, like I like like we talked about earlier, I serve in my church too, and I I help lead high school and then I lead college group. Um, the point of that isn't just oh I want people to know about Jesus. Right. It's I want people to know about how my life was changed right. when I learned about this real love and what does that mean. Mm. And, how does that bring purpose to your life? Like so, trying to give that back, maybe. Yeah, to, to and so project. yeah, just yeah. trying to like. Just, hey, guys, this is what happened when I found out, like, what I was created for and who created me and more about, like, why we're created and 
everyone in life is looking for love, right? Everyone is looking for a relationship. Right. They're looking for something that makes them feel love, purpose, affirmation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Their career that makes them feel like they're 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 have security and right. that they're um, successful. But along that way of that chase of like whatever it is, a relationship, a paycheck, or whatever, mm. they're seeking something to fill like whatever it is inside, right? Like right. when you're in sports and you're competing. You're competing to win that championship, to right. win that ring, to win that match, right. and to like meet those goals. Right. Well, in life, big grand scheme of things, it's you see like people who are famous, who are rappers, who are actors, who are who are like essentially gods amongst men. Mm-hmm. They have the resources and the accessibility to anything they wanted mm-hmm. at the snap of a finger, but yet they still have mental illnesses. They still have divorces. They still, they're still not happy. You yeah, know? Like they're that's, not happy. Yeah, that's a reoccurring theme, and I, like, not saying that I have the answer, but I know how to point people to that. Well, at least you, you seem like you're really content with what you're doing, you know. Yeah, and and that's the thing. But you said before I, I get really into how you fund all this. Uh, like you, you mentioned the fact that you had great mentors, mm. and I mean, you said you're an entrepreneur, which you are. You know, um, how important is having a mentor in whatever you want to do, especially when it comes to starting a business or starting a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm very humble in that, that I wouldn't be where I am without older people pouring into me. Mm-hmm. And I had to be hungry for that though. Like closed sure. mouths don't get fed. Yeah. Like you want to, you have to come hungry. Yeah. Facts. And um, Facts. so like, that's why me amongst people my age, I think it's it looks like a, there's a stigma that it's weak to like ask for help that in our generation millennials you have to do things on your own right right and there's this I think there's a huge separation in a bridge or a gap between the older generations and in our generation and that like oh they don't understand us like we're a generation of technology innovation but there's a constant clash always yes, like there's, there's always, always be a exactly, generation clash exactly and so if you don't acknowledge that then you're just turning a blind eye and you're being mm. naive to all those that wisdom and resources that we could learn from past mistakes and also just take that and receive it and then you know move forward i mean maybe a little bit off topic right now but i feel it's it's always ensured that generations fight with each other uh-huh. like all the generations hate on younger generations and that kind of stuff and i mean and a lot of people are missing out the point that both sides can learn from each other and it's yeah. it's it's kind of like especially when we're talking mentors obviously um, when you're 21 your mentor is not going to be 22 or 19 like mostly the mentor is going to be older and that kind of stuff i think that's just uh, that's just really interesting i i remember my dad always taught me like find yourself a mentor yeah, and it's going to really man. benefit you you know that's good and i i see that i see what you did and and i think that's that's really good um Another stuff that kind of caught my attention when you said um, you have applications, you have um, probably a lot of people that want to be here. Um, what makes you choose one person over another? Because I think that is probably one of the hardest parts of your job, right? Yeah. Say no to someone. Yeah, yeah, that is. Um, so I mean, on average, I probably get phone calls like two to three times a month about. Mm some young guy who's homeless mm. or just is gonna he ran away from a group home or is aging out of a group home soon or even from young girls calls right. for young girls and to start a young girl's house so it's just a hard thing um there's obviously like so much demand 
Like mm. I said, the numbers and statistics. Yeah, the numbers are crazy, yeah. And so we try to, we, that means like we have to be very careful with the process of who we intake. And um, part of that intake process is to make sure like, yo, this guy or this, yeah, this, this young man, mm-hmm. he wants, he's hungry. Right. He wants help. He's going to be humble and um, he's willing to ask for help and that they, they want to step into this because this is like a leadership program. Like they have to be willing to um, be ready to pay rent on time, to to clean up after themselves, right. to uh, do their chores, to meet with their case managers, meet with therapists if needed, right. if that resource is there. Right. Um, they have to be willing to talk about their problems and issues in the house. They have to mm. follow all the rules. Right. And um, the rules that you set up. Yeah, and the structure that we have and. That's not easy. So like, like you said, when you were 18, you were lost, right? right? So these these dudes coming in, their trauma and the history and the things they've gone through, it's just, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. And you have to have someone who's like in here with them, living with them. So like my role that understands the, the structure, the structure like kind of like and a, where they come from. Like the normal structure. But that's that leads me to another question. I mean, um, we talked about authorities as well kind of like there's mentors and there's people that need to be mentored and that kind of stuff obviously you're a mentor for these guys as well i mean you're showing them how to live in a structured life in some way um do you experience difficulties because you're basically talking to the same age you know i can see that this is a big problem because obviously when my grandfather tells me hey clean you know you have natural authority because mm-hmm. he's an old dude, you know, like you respect him a lot. But then if someone my age tells me something, I know it's wrong, you know, like I know it's wrong, but I have a natural, um, I kind of naturally reject that. Mm-hmm. Do you experience this struggle here? Yeah, I'd say. Because like, how old are you? How old are the people that are living here? Um, in here, the average age is 19 to 18, mm-hmm. but we have a house where we've had guys who were 24. Right. Five. So your age. Yeah. yeah. And um, and it is like that is a struggle and it's a barrier. Right. But like I said, like the guys that come here, they in order them for them to come in, they have to be willing to accept help. And for some of them, I am mentors. For some of them, I'm like a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, it but is hard. A fine line, you have to create you know? a, yeah, you have to create a boundary, and that boundary is hard. And mm-hmm. um, we've had to kick out guys from the house for not following rules. Really? I actually had to let go of a guy in this house recently because he wasn't following the rules and it's hard because right. their next step is possibly homelessness yeah. but that's part of their their choices that they made and that's part of being an adult and um, yeah the adversity will come in that and it is hard like I have to accept, I have to really live above reproach mm-hmm. and I have to follow everything to the T and I have to live by example over anything that's that's kind of the way you approach it because yeah. I mean leadership and you're obviously the leader of this a whole company, or for for those you you are some kind of leader, and it's it's really hard to find a line between being buddy buddy, but also being someone who has authority. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you approach that? Um, I think it's I've learned and I've grown through time. So okay. right when I graduated, I worked at a behavioral health facility, okay. and that was for youth who were mentally who had mental disorders, mm-hmm. mentally ill, and then also uh, who were SOs, which they've committed a sexual offense. Right. Um, and I was there for about five months, and after five months, they had moved me to supervisor, and so I was o- over people who were like 30 years old, and mm-hmm. I was just like, mm-hmm. why am I here? But I, I kind of just had to run with it, and I, I had learned just to kind of put that like 
that perspective or view that I had on myself of like, I'm just a young dude trying mm-hmm. to figure things out. And I just looked at like these gifts I have and I have to really run with that gift because everyone's always going to judge you. People are always going to have their perspective and view. Right. Right. And so I can't let that discourage me of what I really do have this gift I have. Um, and so I had to just really be confident in it mm. and walk in that. And so then that would reflect at, at like the houses where obviously I'm going to have dudes who don't respect authority. Right. That's why they got kicked out of group homes. But maybe that's also because they're here, like to learn that stuff. You know, like, I'm, it, it's probably not that they're coming in here and they know everything. Like, you're also teaching them, you know, mm-hmm. being structured and all that kind of stuff. What is what is one thing um, uh, you said they need to look for jobs? They need to look for ways to get kind of like into the civilized structures. What are some approaches that you guys? trying to make them do or have them do um, to get back to kind of like the normal life. Yeah. Um, we So we try to hook them up with resources. Like we will put them in contact with like internships. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a partnership with, uh, it's called Year Up. It's a year-long program through Gateway Community College. We've had three guys in that program and graduate who now work nice. at Chase and they get mentorship through there. Nice. Yeah. We have a reoccurring email newsletter Mm-hmm. that we send out when we have like needs like hey this guy he needs help with reading mm-hmm. and we seek like anyone through the church or whoever we follow post on social media and we're partnered with um christian family care who has a lot of resources with jobs right. and um it's just through word of mouth for people we know mm-hmm. um along with like they have therapy through them so the biggest is not trying to reinvent the wheel instead of using people who already are doing these things and saying yeah. hey we have guys who need your help Like, yeah. how can you help them? And people, they love it. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we do it. It's, it's busy as well. <laughs> There's another one. And you, you kind of, like, I want to talk a little bit about you and your partner and the different roles that you guys had. Yeah. You said, you said that your partner is kind of like in real estate, right? Yeah. So he's more, is he more the, the guy for the numbers or is he more, and, and are you doing more of the marketing or what, like, how do you differ, differentiate between those two roles? Yeah, um, so <laughs> we it took us a minute, I would say like a year, year and a half to learn our roles in the company and our gifts. Right. Because we're young dudes, like exactly. really immature. And yeah. so um, through time and a lot of failure mm-hmm. and a lot of arguments and like yeah. wrestling with things, we both like sat down and we we're like, all right, this is my strength and my weakness. And then like vice versa. Yeah. You know, the Enneagram and all that. And so then we were like, okay, well, you were you like delegating to each other. You're going to be in charge of this. Uh-huh. And you, like, how do you feel about uh, like me doing this? Yeah. And then it just fell into place where we were like, all right, Andre, if you want to be administrative, this is what you'll be reliable for. And then... I feel it's really hard to do business with friends. Oh, I mean, yeah. just because you're emotionally attached to them, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's obviously the idea. Obviously, you start being super passionate about it. Hey, he's like... It's a cool story too, man. I started this business with my friend and all that stuff. But then once he or she like messes it up, kind of like you're still, you know, like you want to, you want to succeed in some ways. And it's hard to be, you know, like tell someone like your friend to delegate your friend, you know, or that kind of stuff. Yeah, so no. It, that, I can that see was that being like another big challenge that yeah, you guys might face. Yeah, that was face. really hard. We had to, we had to uh, come to the realization that we're not friends um, when we're talking business or saying right. that personal bias aside and personal feelings towards each mm-hmm. other 
um, that we we're doing ascend uh, not for ourselves right we're doing it to help these yeah. young dudes right and so we had to keep that lens on and so then when we step out of that it actually brought up a lot of like problems within our friendship when we're like right had to call each other out but it was all out of love and it just made us that much stronger um, and, and better businessmen mm-hmm. in that and um, it's been really and cool. then once you once you kind of make that step probably the friendship gets even better mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like and that's that's just maybe a little bit off topic as well but I think it is a it is just very interesting to talk about because it's so hard to do business probably with your friends I tried it a couple times it's just not easy to call someone out that you really love or you really like mm-hmm. um, right now I think it's time to talk about ascend a little bit more yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you exactly. said you're getting a lot of help from the church um, how I mean I can I mean, you guys are young dudes you're probably on the tight budget as well yeah um, how do you guys find is that whole thing how's that thing founded here so what we found most sustainable was through partnership mm-hmm. um, and partnership primarily with the church that right. had property okay. um, so how we first started was we leased through an affordable housing project and um, that affordable housing company was owned by a friend of ours right and um, so she was getting rid of a tenant and we were like hey we're looking for a house at an affordable rate and me and Andre knew that it would take us having to just like be able to support the house and run it our, uh, ourselves yeah. to start it so we sacrificed a lot we moved in there we paid rent together mm-hmm. and um, the plan is to and this is like how we finesse the system yeah. we were going to use the youth um, subsidy that they get from the state if they qualify to be in an independent living program right so our program is an independent living program right. with the house so they were they would receive seven hundred and like fifty dollars yeah. a month for six months right. for the first six months until they're 21 and it would go down about like eighty dollars to a hundred uh-huh. um, we were using their subsidy to to pay rent so like that's how they would pay rent they would be qualified for it yeah. by living in a place that they signed a contract that has structure that is a not 501c3 and it's official nonprofit mm. and they would use their subsidy then to cover their portion of the rent and so it was hard it was rough like obviously we would get guys that and, and this is what's hard in the system is the turnover rate for youth with case managers that are supposed to set them up with the subsidy the turnover rate in Arizona is like 50 to 60 percent so you have dudes that have like 12 different case managers wow like they'll get one every year just depending giving how long, it a new try new a yeah. new a new adult in their life to right. try to help them with things and after a year or so another one um and so that really causes a lot of like trauma mm-hmm. or just you know like in their life they're just gonna be like well adults really don't care for me and also you don't want to like switch places the whole time no you know like you it's it's nice to be in one place for mm-hmm. a longer time like you can start doing your stuff like you get used to it you have structure in your life you know it's like it's it's I mean moving every three months that's that's probably a tough scenario if, especially tough. when you're not like certain about your future yeah um, so you said you're not funded by the government right no so that's so we, we went through some loops and holes to do that that made it easier we didn't need any licensing or contracting to get a property right right we just run it through our own house that we're right. on the lease and that made it that much easier but um, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to create something that was going to be concrete, like sustainable, and that we could multiply and 
uh, we can we can do with uh, partnerships. And so we found out through partnership with the churches that that worked the best. Um, and we planted helped plant a church with uh, Dream City Church, mm-hmm. which is by ACU. Yeah, and I um, that. yeah. And we just found out, so them owning the property and us just being reliable for making sure the residents are following the rules, that they're building relationship, mm-hmm. um, that their their mental health is okay, like they're having positive relationships. They're with young men who are, you know, modeling what it's like to be, right. you know, like just productive. Um, and then that just was easier. So with, then I planned, I came here to Living Streams in May. Right. So I've been here and... This model's working really well, and now they want to buy more houses. So you are actually happy about that? You're not getting anything from the government? Um, Wait, can, could you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's easier this way, one, because we're, we're um, mm-hmm. like our own entity. Right. And we can create our own rules and policies mm-hmm. that we're like in charge of that. Yeah, I see that. Um, and... The reason that one of the main reasons why is because they're adults now, so they haven't really done like an affordable living for youth who've aged out, like a model. So they don't really have this government funding for it, Thing, unless, right, yeah. besides grants and the subsidy that the individual gets. Mm-hmm. So we've had DCS for Arizona come to us, yeah. um, asking about our model so that they can implement that now, and they're now creating. Oh, cool. They just created a new contract. That looks like a group home. So it might be the other way around. You're helping the government. Yeah, to, yeah, to which we're something. fine with. Like, like way to go, man. Mm-hmm. That's cool. cool. Yeah, that's that's something I can. And you obviously you say you have you guys have three locations, right? Mm-hmm. All over all over Phoenix. I mean, this is this is like the thing. I can see this project being very successful right now without the government. But like, my question is like, what's next for the project? Um, so you guys planning on having more houses, helping more people out, and if that, like, is that still going to be able to make it happen yeah. only with partnership? Like, only with private founders, only with people, you know, without the government, that's a thing. Because yeah. I can see once it gets bigger that obviously more resources need to come in, mm-hmm. which is money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's the plan for the future, kind of? Um, so we do have a five-year plan and a logic model and, um, like, what the f- budgets would look like mm-hmm. and what type of funding we need. And, um, like, so we keep that mindset, right? That's the vision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you got to have that. Yeah. And so, right, like, a lot of it has had to change. Like, just through time and learning, we're like, okay, what is this going to be? And so right now, where we're at, um, and I am speaking on behalf of like all of us and for my buddy Andre is mm. that um, this model works the best partner through churches. So there's a church on like every block right. in Phoenix. Right. Right. And that's actually true. None of them are doing this. Yeah. None of them have done this. Yeah. Um, so we're a part of this new wave and any church that has property, mm. they qualify to have this type of program on there. And that in itself would be. And there's a lot of churches that have a property. Lot, there's a lot of churches that have property, um, and so. So opportunity that means opportunity. That means opportunity, guys, yeah. and then also possibility for their funds to mm-hmm. become part of these. But at the same time, we know that we have to do our part on getting, you know, donors. And and um, us being a five hundred one c three, it's it's a lot easier now to go to bigger companies or people who have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, this is what we're doing. This will help end homelessness. And this will help you with your tax dollars because you're not having to put that much more money towards Social Security or whatever for other people just to have like a homeless shelter being right. there. 
And so that is a us like part of our approach is that we are doing our part in helping, you know, people who are wealthy and want to put their tax dollars into something, they can do that and get a tax write off. Um, but I think as far as getting the government involved, I mean, um, like they, like I said, they're going to start contracts now. Mm-hmm. So they're going to start literally funding houses that do this, but it's still going to look a little different. You're mm-hmm. going to have to getting paid staff and um, right. you're going to have to hire people and for us, it's more of like a built-through relationship. People that are called to do it, they want to do it. And that's probably, that's what's going to make it successful in the long term. Mm-hmm. It's probably, because um, humans obviously tend to seek out community. And, and that's what you guys are creating here. So I kind of like that approach as well. Um, you, how much time do you invest in this project? You said you're doing a little bit of fashion on the side. Like you... I don't know what else is going on, but how many hours would you say? Maybe a week or um, hours a week. Or can you like frame I, it? I like, couldn't. Um, it's hard because it's really a lifestyle. I really plan to do this for a long time, and so um, I kind of form my life around it. So you see some of the residents; um, they're just—it's like I see them as just like a a relationship that mm-hmm. I can just. All right, how can I invest? How can I be available? And um, I try to work my schedule around that. Mm-hmm. And while having a structure and time for rest and time for myself, because sure. I need to constantly be sharpening myself sure. and pouring into myself and learning. And then also doing things that like help me, you know, just relax and mm-hmm. help me be creative and um, stir that side up of myself. But so you just, obviously said you have a five year plan. So yeah. your goal basically is to get bigger and to make eventually turn this into your full-time thing you know Mm -hmm. that's what I kind of like yeah so yeah so um, so right now in year two we had set some goals we wanted um, what was our goals we wanted like two houses Um, and we wanted to be like just sustainable and fine. And so right now we're doing really well with mm-hmm. those goals. Um, we're exceeding them, but obviously, you know, the entrepreneur mindset, you always want to like do right. more. And Especially when it, more. when you see it's working out, like you, as you said, you get hungry and you, you stay hungry and you see the success and all of a sudden you yeah. get triggered by that. You yeah. Know? So that, that, that is great. But you mentioned there's a lot of good stuff happening here. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about what's your biggest struggles are because yeah. um, we touched a little bit on a couple of subjects there here and there but what's the biggest struggle struggle that you experience running yeah Ascent Phoenix um, the biggest struggle is um, it's hard I mean it's hard to compare them but I think just like in recent time it's when I have to let go of a resident okay. because they're not following the policies mm-hmm. like it's because uh i mean i just i can't control that like if they are not doing what they need to do and right we give them grace and then grace then some more grace <laughs> and that if they're still not showing that it sucks because i i heard that they're going to pay the the price for that they're going to it's gonna have to I like mean, you're an expert on that like you yeah. know what's gonna be the i next see the step. cycle like i've seen dudes go from yeah. like in a home to homeless to seeing them on the street to them like reaching out months later or then 
I've had a guy who we had to let go of. Yeah. And months later, he reaches out through like a email, I think. Yeah. And he's like, hey, just wanted to say, I'm so grateful for you and Andre and what you guys did for me. Yeah. And um, like, I was so foolish to not see what I had before me. And I'm right now, I'm like homeless living in a shed. But I'm just thankful for you guys, and I appreciate you wanting to help. And right. he's 19. Right. He's 19. So, like, it's just hard, you know. It's just so hard. Like, we're always at war. We're, like, the whole point of this is just, you know, to help these dudes, f- like, find their identity and purpose and dignity. And it's not easy. I mean, you hit me with the numbers, and they're shocking. You said people that age out of foster care are really likely to become homeless. And all that stuff. There's a lot of homeless people here in Phoenix. Um, there's a lot of people who are currently in foster care. That is true. Like mm-hmm. that's what you told me. And yeah, what's I mean besides what you're doing, besides what the government is doing, besides what the church is doing, what's the main problem? Like, is it a problem of the system, or is it a problem of individuals? Mm. Where where you say, all right, there's just individuals that maybe choosing wrong stuff and yeah. then like kind of slipping into this uh, homeless. Um, lifestyle or mm-hmm. into this homeless life yeah um, or is it more a whole system which is which is wrong you yeah. get you get what I'm saying yeah, like, yeah, yeah. is it is it a mistake of a system or is it more a mistake of the individual who's yeah. doing bad stuff or is doing the wrong stuff yeah. making the wrong choices yeah that's a great question um, I actually like in this past season of my life I had a lot of wrestling and I just got really hopeless uh, at a point right and um, I had to have like a new perspective on on things and what I came to realization is something I knew. It's just um, like er, like you'll find people on Instagram or like Facebook or whatever who are like activists, right? right. They're very motivated and, and vocal about this this injustice, whether it's like from police brutality to right. women not getting equal rights <clears throat> to um, what's going on with ICE and kids getting removed from their parents because of their coming them coming from like a different um, side of the border. Right. Um, whatever it is, like people are like, we need to see equality and, and harmony. We mm-hmm. need to see justice. So there's a high demand. So like, like that's going on in, in the world, right? Right. But when in anyone's lifetime right now that's alive, have they seen equality and harmony and peace just happen? And, and, and when have they seen that? Well, that's, just- that's the question of fairness. I think... It's never going to be able to completely reduce fairness. You know, there's always going to be people who are just more blessed than others. You feel what I'm saying? But I think for for a lot of those activists, it's more minimizing this whole thing. Like, they're more about, okay, how can we make the best, like, how can we come up with the best case scenario? But what I see a lot is a lot of people that have a really high demand and always kind of like are in in the role of the one that is complaining about something that is wrong and then on the other hand i see people like you who are doing actually stuff to change society yeah or doing stuff to change the system but my question is and that's bigger than your project or that's bigger than the people that are complaining is there enough people like you who actually want to make a change because we have to think in the long run, you know? Like, we have to think, okay, can we reduce those numbers? Can can we actually make a change within the next 10, 15, 20 years? Or is it just going to be a, a cycle that keeps repeating itself, and then there's going to be a few individuals who kind of step out of that cycle and help, you know? Yeah. But is this really going to create a long-term solution, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And um, 
I mean, I so like just my my whole like conclusion and point is that there's always going to be brokenness in this world. Exactly. And and, yeah. and I I never want to like lose sight of this this hope because hope what real real hope is and what I had come to realization it's that no matter how broken this world is and how many kids in the system they're going to be mm-hmm. that. I can still make an impact with one relationship right. with the people I have in my And that's circle. probably how it starts. And that's how gotta, it starts, right? And so I'm, I'm doing it. And it's my perspective and my mm-hmm. attitude that I have to personally have every day when I wake up. Like, yo, okay, how am I going to serve well and do this faithfully and be loyal to it? And then I hope, my hope is also that people would learn that, yo, like you said, some people are more blessed. Some people right. have a lot more privilege than others. I think everyone has privilege. Right. It's, it's understanding what, what your privilege is, whether like if you are from Germany, right? Right. You come to America, you have a different um, barrier to get through, right? right People sure. are privileged that, like, that are from here, that know the language really well or what have you. But you also have insight from like different cultures. Right. And then you can bring whatever, you, whatever privilege you have to that table, right? You're, mm. you're gifted in tennis. That's, a, that's an awesome privilege to be able to go to a college for, with sports. Yeah. And do that, right? For me, I got to go to a, a D1 university. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful. No one in my family got to go to college. Right. And so to graduate, that's an awesome privilege. Right. So with any small privilege that I have, I want to be able to utilize that mm-hmm. to then uplift someone and put them on my shoulders. So these young dudes, mm-hmm. especially, like I get to see this tangibly, they, like I said, 3% of them will get a college degree. Well, I had a college degree and I get to use whatever I have and I know and resources to give to them mm-hmm. for them to just take and run with it, mm-hmm. not expecting anything in return, just that they would be um, responsible, that they'd be honorable and, and, and follow those, like whatever policies we have here. Do you get, that's probably a huge part of your job is probably frustration, right? So I'm saying like, you're motivated about this project. I can, I can feel it. It's a lot of positive energy coming from you, you know? but. If you're really passionate about a thing and then someone else is not, that drives a lot of anger and frustration. I mean, just personally, I know that. I can relate to just the fact that I'm passionate about someone and then other people are not. And I get angry, I get frustrated. And it's like, hey, I'm putting my heart into this. I'm, I'm giving all in and you're not even trying. Yeah. So you're frustrated. Yeah, uh, we've ha- I've, me, not in a negative way. No, uh, no, yeah, 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 no. Me and my partner Andre, we just we've gone through a lot with specifically like getting wanting help and expecting help from people yeah. in churches, right? Even um, and just gotten a lot of no's and just uh, like beating around the bush and just mm-hmm. no help, right? And that was really hard and you know grew hard hearted and bitter. But, and I kind of blame God. I'm like, yo, we're sacrificing all this and putting all this work in hours to see this, Mm. like no, no fruit. But I had to remember like, yo, I can't look at like this own, like I put this own filter that I have of like what God should do and what he should be, his power, right? And it's also a process. I mean, you can't just expect your, your project, uh, like being super successful overnight and yeah. especially not when you're a non-profit you yeah. know what I'm saying like no yeah like so it was just a lot of maturing a lot of a yeah. lot of uh, seeking out like wisdom a lot of wrestling with things mm-hmm. and um, a lot of hard nights it's just it's a hard season had to descend before we ascended 
you we talked a little bit about different systems and whether it's a problem of the whole system in general or not and as i said i as you as you mentioned i'm from germany so and especially when it comes to like social benefits and a welfare um system uh the systems compared with each other are very different so in germany there's a huge emphasis on um having a lot of benefits for people that are in need yeah um paying i love that like it's i could hit you with so many things that's going on like if you don't have a job in germany right. and you still i mean you have to try looking for a job you get money by the government yeah. if you um you have obviously insurance uh-huh. um set up by the government all that stuff you have free college education yeah. so the whole system is set up to be really social yeah while here in america it's not really the other way around i wouldn't say that but it's still different yeah. does that frustrate you that you see all right there's other western civilized countries who adopt this system which is just more based on together yeah. we are together we are one yeah. uh, country we want society yeah. and then does that frustrate you do you sometimes you said you're you're a proud american but is there something that maybe makes you angry about that yeah. the yeah, whole system yeah yeah um when i say proud american i want to make sure i give context like i'm thankful um to be born in america right. with the privileges that i have and i think when i compare and i look at these countries that like do these things differently and i look at what our our systems look like and justice systems and like like even in in Phoenix there's this thing called redlining mm-hmm. that the government did back in the 1900s right that it's essentially where people would like the banks um would not in the state would not let certain demographics and colors people that had a certain type of uh, yeah. income purchase houses in certain areas right so it would create like a neighborhood and a nook and and it's what it's what That's made great, south cycle, phoenix right it's what made south phoenix and it's what made mm. certain areas more ghetto than others right. yeah. and so that was part of a system right uh-huh. and so you look at that and you're like all right then you look in scottsdale and like okay um so there's <laughs> That's a crazy thing about phoenix the the gap between super rich people and really poor people i think i never experienced that big of a difference in any other big cities and i've been to new york la you know like I've, and in germany you don't see that big of a d- gap in general you know but especially in phoenix man you have people living in the craziest mansions driving bentleys teslas and then yeah and then you go south and, and you go south and, and even crazier like you go down to the homeless shelter there's so many homeless people right. and and our homeless people they have like diabetes they have mm-hmm. they have they're overweight they're out of shape right compared to third world countries where you have people who are poor and don't have food mm. they are dying right and their their stomachs are are just not full and so like in america i'm just i'm thankful to be here and i want to utilize this perspective i have it's like okay oh, yeah how can this we this is not going to be guys this is not going to be america bashing by the way this is just comparing different systems yeah yeah, yeah. just if anyone doesn't yeah, get that yeah yeah we're just you know putting light on things right exactly cuz cuz i just grew up you know experience all that is that really when in germany when you have a problem there's mostly a solution to it and you hit me with the numbers i'm going to say it again i think for most of these guys uh it's really hard to find solution you know it's really hard to find something cuz again there's people even if you get get kicked out um uh institution like a Saint Phoenix 
is it really your fault or is it the does that occur because of your upbringing because of your childhood because you were never used to live in a in a regular system in a structured system you know so where's the fault yeah. that's that's my kind of like way i'm trying to think about it it's oh, yeah. it's, it's it's like a a cycle that really doesn't yeah, like doesn't how can continue. you blame like, like someone for acting a certain way when when they were raised that's how it was in their home right a and lot, it's such and important use that's system. what i'm saying like teenager years um, high school years that's so key to your whole to your whole character development like you learn special traits you're going to keep your your whole life so mm -hmm. that is why and if that kind of period of your life goes wrong due to whatever aspects it's really hard for you to get out of that yeah yeah no i have like statistics and numbers that like i could throw at you it's just it is like it gets discouraging talking about it yeah. but then it fires me up so i'm like well that's great I'm doing is that the it. motivation like where do you get your motivation from uh because we said it a couple of times yeah the situation is really bad but yeah you're still doing it i you mean know? i think just overall like I, just, I don't want you to stop. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I have just like, I have hope. I mean, like I said, it's not yeah. that the circumstances are going to change. It's that um, I, I know that even though the circumstance won't change, that changing your attitude in that mm. and then realizing like, okay, the, the point is not just to um, make sure like one guy is sustainable. It's to make sure that he knows his purpose in life that he does have a purpose right. that even though his parents neglected him and he was in different homes throughout his life and he was molested beaten right. whatever type of abuse you want to say and now he has to be on his own and be a normal human being with all this trauma that i can still say hey dude you have gifts and you have talents and you can use them and you can make money and you can you know mm, start a, a family if you want make a living and it and i have to brush it off when i have like these things that like where a kid has kicked out because he, he can't follow the rules and has his girlfriend with the door closed. Like that's not the end of the world. Right. And I know that like he'll come to his senses and yeah. he might come back one day. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Here, it's a little bit off topic again. I, as I type stories, I'm always to portray failure a little bit different than how it is seen in yeah. society. You know, I mean, you deal with it almost on a on a regular basis with people who failed kind of like the the social norms mm -hmm. and and still trying to get back to the the normal life you know but and i often feel society portrays failure as something negative mm -hmm. and says hey you uh, run out of business hey you lost a match hey you don't go to college like you're a loser um and that's why i always ask my guests what was your biggest failure in life or your biggest hardship? Yeah. And how did you grow out of that? And how did you develop a character strength out of that failure, hardship issue that you experienced? That's good. Um, oh, that's it hard. doesn't really have anything to do with, with, yeah. with SN Phoenix. Yeah. But, you know, like, could, could be something personal as well. I would say... Um, so when I went to GCU uh, initially, it was because I was offered a scholarship. Right. And it covered all my, like most of my expenses. Like mm -hmm. I was good. And I was, I was a commuter, but like my school was paid for. Mm -hmm. My parents, it was just the best thing ever. My parents were so happy, super thankful. Um, and so I'm at GCU and I'm, I'm just, I'm a lost, like a lost soul. Like I'm just seeking my identity and anything and mm -hmm. my purpose. And 
Um, obviously, all these things that I'm putting my hope into that can't really give me hope, I'm going to be hopeless. And so I get to the end of the line where I'm like, wow, I, I've, I've done all these things. I'm, I'm not performing the way I thought I should or I could. I have concussions and injuries. Right. My coach is threatening to you pull said my you're, scholarship. You said you were a wrestler? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My coach is threatening to pull my scholarship. I'm failing classes. Um, like, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm, like, lying to my parents because I I'm just want them to be happy. Right. I'm living for, like, you know, this the approval of them, but also to please them. And sure. Just approval of man. And so uh, I just came to this point where I was like, man, I don't know what to do. I talked to one of my buddies who's, like, just uh, kind of like a mentor to me. He was uh, in college, and he went for football. And he was, like, four years older than me. And then he ended up quitting football and doing full-time ministry. And I was just like, yo, I'm going through this, man. I don't know what to do. And he was like, I think, you know, you just have a calling on your life right now. Yeah. And you need to start answering it. Um, and so I was just, like, I wasn't happy in wrestling. And I go to my coach, and I was like, hey, like, I'm, I'm going to quit. Yeah. And he's just like... What year were you in? This was my freshman year. So okay. 2013. Wow. Yeah. So after you, you decided... Yeah. And he was like, you're going to quit once in life. You're always going to be a quitter. Mm. Um, and I was like, wow. Mm. So that was strongly I felt like I took the, uh, Yeah. I felt like I took the easy way out at first, but I was just like, it feels so good. I needed to be out of it. Right. But it sucked. My parents were like, how are you going to afford school? Sure. Like, what are, where are you going to get your education? You were supposed to do this. You were a D1 athlete. Yeah. How can you not take this opportunity and run with it? Yeah. And it was just really defeating. But um, I, t- I just had a whole lifestyle change after that. I started cutting people out. I started changing the way I lived. I really just had this detox. And I took that L and I just, like, ran with it. I was like, all right, I need to make sure that I built, like, my foundation on something mm-hmm. that will be sustainable in the long term mm-hmm. and um, that I'm going to start like putting encouraging people in my life and I'm going to start thinking about my career and I'm going to start caring about people and not just have relationships with girls and not care about them mm-hmm. so I just started learning and um, for me personally like the Bible was huge and um, okay. like I just I really learned that like if you want to be a leader in life you got to learn how to take else mm. and this is it guys thank you so much for tuning in again I hope you guys enjoyed it. One more thing before I let you guys go. It's always helpful to share um, with friends, family, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Um, Of course, only if you liked it. And then next very important thing is to leave a rating and to subscribe to the show. But also follow me on all my social media platforms. You can find me there under Star Stripe Stories. And yeah, that's it. Have a great rest of your day. And I hear you guys next time. Bye-bye.